Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that a good lead is always worth checking out. And if you're a listener who enjoys from the car, you'll want to know that the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, the new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain or wherever your story takes you. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. In search of more mysteries to listen to, get an Audible membership. They've got the best selection of audio titles from every genre, including true crime, celebrity memoirs, business, and so much more. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. I recommend The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. I love a good heist story. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. My name is JC Hawks. I'm a retired Marine gunnery sergeant and a former Marine Special Agent with the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. I was assigned to a missing person investigation to locate Holly Lynn Wymonk. Holly just kind of disappeared uh, without a trace, did not show up for work. No one was sure about her whereabouts. The search for her started at that point. I tried to call her, and when she wasn't answering the phone for me, like I knew something was wrong because she's going to answer the phone for me. Holly was such a loving person. When she walked in the room, you knew, okay, this is a good person. You just could feel that energy coming from her. Holly was a 24-year-old young lady. She was married to an active duty Marine. John Wymonk was a Marine stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. When we first met, Holly used to say, I want to be a pediatric nurse. And then somewhere along the way, she was like, I'm going to the Army. I can help more people being a military nurse. When it involves people in uniform, it brings more attention. We had national media in Fayetteville through most of the summer. I was in the office on a Friday. It was in the evening. My boss came in and asked what I had going on. I said, not much. I'm just working on some reports. He said, listen, man, I need you in Fayetteville. We've got a missing girl there. There's some suspicious circumstances. So I made a call to my wife and headed to Fayetteville as quick as I could. So July 9th, 2008, I worked 
came home that evening and had a voicemail from Holly asking me to give her a call back. I was just too exhausted after the end of a 12-hour shift and I fell straight asleep. When I woke up, I had multiple messages. I called one of them back and they asked me again, is Holly with you at your apartment? And at first I was like, well, what's going on? A close friend of hers and co-worker decided that she needed to go to Holly's apartment immediately because she thought something was wrong. When they get there, they notice as they're looking in the windows that there is smoke damage and they smell some fumes. It smells like gasoline, smells like smoke there at the apartment and they notice what looks to be an intentionally set fire. They're obviously very concerned. They don't see Holly. They call 911 at that point. I had a chance to tour the entire area, went into Holly's room. I immediately saw on the ground a large deliberately removed piece of carpeting. You got the sense immediately that something very bad had happened inside that apartment. What they did not find is Holly. There was no sign or trace of her at that point. Tonight we have an update on a Fort Bragg soldier missing for days. The summer of 2008 was a very busy time for the homicide team. We had two service members go missing. We had Megan Tuma, who was a United States Army active duty person who was actually found deceased in a hotel bathroom. And that murder at that point was unsolved. A person claiming to be inspired by the Zodiac Killer from decades ago in California started writing letters to law enforcement and to the Fayetteville Observer, and it just kind of had a lot of people nervous and on edge. There was a heightened sense of awareness and urgency that when someone doesn't show up for work, go look for them because it could be the worst. The NCIS mission is global. We're on aircraft carriers, we're in foreign ports. We watch after each other, we take care of each other. NCIS deal with every type of crime. Cyber, fraud, murder. General crimes, counterintelligence, counterterrorism. Every crime is a tragedy. It involves sisters, brothers, husbands. That's the only way to find the truth. We live in dangerous times, and we're never going to give up. NCIS, the cases they can't forget. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware, each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Holly's case is among the most memorable cases that I've worked. I I will never forget this case because of all the things that Holly was. Someone's daughter, someone's mother, a nurse, and an officer in the United States Army. Fayetteville is home to the largest military installation in the United States. Uh, Fort Bragg has generally between 50 and 55,000 personnel stationed there. It's its own city. Holly Weinmunk's case uh, happened in a very bad summer for Fayetteville. And it got worse with the disappearance of Lieutenant Holly James Weinmunk. When Holly Weinmunk is missing, a massive search commences. Was her case connected to the murder of Sergeant Megan Tuma and this copycat serial killer stalking the streets of Fayetteville? In the Megan Tuma case... Tuma had arrived at Fort Bragg less than two weeks ago from Germany. Megan was missing for approximately a week, but nobody noticed. She was new in town. Her unit didn't report her missing. Megan had been strangled and left in a bathtub at a local hotel. Investigators poured over the taunting letters of her alleged murderer. He claimed to be inspired by California's infamous Zodiac Killer. Who sent letters to the press in San Francisco from 1968 to 1987, claiming responsibility for 40 murders. Fear that a new serial killer targeting female soldiers swept through Fayetteville. He said he was on a mission to claim more victims. The Army reacts quickly. The Fayetteville Police Department reacts quickly. The community's upset. With no sign of Holly, investigators were left to sift through the remains of her burned-out apartment. Someone had intentionally poured fluids that were flammable and had set a fire. They found two bedrooms burned, windows broken, and the smell of gasoline. Weimunk was missing. Her car was still parked outside. Whoever had set the fire had absolutely no regard for anybody in that building or anybody around it. Agent Hawks believed the fire had been set to destroy evidence. The missing carpet was a disturbing clue that indicated Holly might well be dead. Carpeting soaks bodily fluids, it it soaks all types of of physical evidence. Nothing good in our minds came from that missing carpet. As the scene began being processed, we observed there to be two missing knives that were not in the knife block in the kitchen. We have missing knives, why do we have missing knives? Uh, We look at the presence of evidence and also the, the absence of things that you think should be there. One of the things we started doing is interviewing family and friends of Holly. So family and friends are who you start talking with. You always want to start closest and then move out. So Hawks began his investigation by talking to Holly's husband, Marine Corporal John Weimuck, a combat engineer based at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. 
The Marine base is two hours east of Fort Bragg, where Holly was stationed. Wymunk had married Holly a year earlier and split his time between living at Camp Lejeune and Holly's apartment. I'm at the point where I have no idea what's going on, okay? We were responsible for painting a, a picture of John Wymunk, learning his whereabouts, learning everything that there was to, to find out about this young man. News of Holly's disappearance and the fire at the couple's shared apartment was the lead story locally. Police spent a lot of time around the missing soldier's apartment. Canine units searched nearby woods. Wymunk said he knew nothing beyond that. He says, I don't know where she is, haven't talked with her, um, don't know anything. Wymunk expressed concern for both his wife and their apartment. This is my wife. Everybody knows that. And it's my apartment. What the f is going on with my wife? You know what I mean? That's what the interview broke down after Hawk smelled what he thought was liquor on Wymuck's breath. You asked me earlier that, if I, am I drunk? I'm not drunk, but I have been drinking. Okay. And I don't want the, the uh, things that I say to be turned around. You know what I'm saying? I understand. And that's why we're done. Okay. I understand it, sir. We're done talking about everything. Mm -hmm. Go home and chill out, okay? Mm -hmm. And I. I don't want to. I don't want to talk with you. Now, you know, I, I can smell the odor of alcohol. I don't mm -hmm. want to talk to you about legal stuff while that's mm -hmm. even a question in my mind. And I'll let you recontact us. Whatever, we'll give you our contact numbers, and we'll deal mm -hmm. with it that way. Okay, there you go, sir. Sit I appreciate that I have a contact number of you guys. Hawks returned to White Monk to his command and continued learning about the couple's relationship from Holly's friends and family. Holly and John met as a result of an introduction by a Marine in John's unit who happened to be Holly's brother. He thought John would be, a, uh, would be interested in meeting his sister. Holly was deeply in love with him. She cared very much for him. She said that he was a very sweet and caring individual, that he was very fun, outgoing, and caring. She enjoyed spending time with him. Holly had a son and a daughter with a longtime boyfriend before falling in love with Wymunk. The children split time with their parents and were with their father at the time of the fire. Holly told me that she had her children visit every now and then, and it was always a wonderful time for her. She loved having her children visit. Holly and April, both nurses in the maternity ward at the Womack Army Medical Center at Fort Bragg, grew close. I could always rely on her as somebody to talk to. You could call her in the middle of the night. She'd be half asleep, but she'd be willing to chit-chat with you and find out what was going on. As NCIS kept investigating, agents unraveled a complicated marriage. A former girlfriend of Wymuck's had resurfaced in his life. Holly told friends the woman was badgering her with angry phone calls. She felt harassed. Holly never referred to Lindsay by Lindsay. She was just always his little girlfriend. She was always there. She chose to call Holly at three in the morning and scream into the phone, and it was just, Random acts like that that I think were, were kind of scary for Holly because you don't know what a person is going to do. Holly went to court, naming Lindsay publicly, describing the alleged harassment and asking for a restraining order that would prohibit any contact. Holly wrote, I have changed my phone number six times. She has had individuals contact my friends looking for me. This has been going on for eight months. A district court judge here in Cumberland County ordered Lindsay to 
basically stopped bothering Holly. Obviously, there was a history there. Uh, there was bad blood, uh, shall we say, between Holly and Lindsay. So she certainly was a person of interest at this point in the investigation. Hawks discovered that Lindsay, who lived out of state, was actually in North Carolina when Holly vanished. So he brought Lindsay in for an interview. Uh, a reporter from the Fayetteville Observer in summer of 2008 contacted Lindsay and spoke to her. And Lindsay said uh, she was shocked that Holly was missing. Lindsay said she had nothing to do with Holly's disappearance. And while agents checked out her story, they soon got another disturbing tip from witnesses at Holly's building. Several residents see a male figure running, one says running with a bag, getting into a black pickup truck and leaving the complex. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. A Fort Bragg soldier missing for days. Police remain on the scene at the home of Holly Wymonk. Police are giving us more information about the missing soldier, but they're still keeping a tight guard on the scene out here. The entire family was holding onto a thin thread of hope that Wymonk would be found alive. Her car was still parked outside. There was not a doubt in our mind that we were looking into a murder case, and it was looking less and less like a missing person case. Investigators were going down three paths. Holly's husband, his ex-girlfriend, and the self-proclaimed Zodiac copycat killer. It was just a very tense time for people here in the community. With the Marine's wife still missing, NCIS remained on high alert. The mission for us is fairly comprehensive. Protecting the innocent, we take that very seriously. Whenever a case breaks, the agency that leads that case, if they could go a million directions at one time while being thorough, effective, they would do it. Twenty-four hours into Holly's disappearance, NCIS agents got their first break in the case. Law enforcement began questioning people that lived there in the apartment complex that may have seen something, that may have heard something. And several individuals talked about how on the night of July 9th that there had been a individual in black clothing running from the area of Holly's apartment, getting into a black pickup truck in dark clothing and leaving the scene. I've covered a lot of homicides here in Fayetteville and usually it's people who know each other. 
As we were doing background leading up to Holly's disappearance, uh, we discovered some troubling things about the relationship between John and Holly. All the family and friends that we talked to all told us this story. A volatile relationship existed between Holly and John, certainly leading up to her disappearance. Holly's co-worker, April, told investigators that Weimunk couldn't handle Holly's superior rank. He was telling her that she wasn't really a lieutenant, she wasn't really an officer, she was just a nurse and it didn't count. He was really putting her down. I started to overhear some of these phone calls and I could hear John being really hard on her. During one of our shifts, he called multiple times and just ranted and raved and treated her like she was nothing. I took her phone away. I literally grabbed it out of her hand, hung up on him, and took it away from her. I said, no. I said, you do not need to deal with this. It's not fair. It's not right. The verbal abuse soon turned physical when Holly began coming to work with bruises, which she documented in these photos that investigators recovered on her cell phone. She came in with a busted lip one day. Another day, she came in with what appeared to be bruising around her eye. And she never really spoke to us about where these injuries came from. We were very worried about Holly. I wish I had done more. I felt like it was more important for me to be that best friend and not say anything. But part of me wished I could have told somebody. Shortly before Holly's disappearance, Tra Anna says she learned about an incident that truly terrified Holly. One day she called me and she was just crying. She was hysterical. He like had a bullet and he had showed her the bullet. The bullet literally had Holly's name on it. He had like carved initials in the bullet and it was like, this is your bullet and this is my bullet. He produced a gun, he put it to his head and threatened suicide, and then he put the gun to Holly's head and threatened to murder her. Holly had enough. Fearing for her life, she sent her children to live with their biological father and sought a restraining order. On May 19th of 2008, Holly had taken out a restraining order against John. Uh, that was in place for about 10 days, just a temporary order. And then she had to appear in court about 10 days later in order to keep the restraining order in place. But when it came time to face Wymunk in court, Holly couldn't bring herself to follow through with the charges. I never think she thought John was gonna hurt her because when a person loves you, you don't think that they're gonna hurt you. Holly did not show up for that court date, so as a result, the restraining order was dismissed and no longer in place. She was estranged from John. The day had been going through a difficult transition uh, leading to divorce. A Fort Bragg soldier missing for days. Police spent a lot of time around the missing soldier's apartment. Canine units searched nearby woods. But when news of Holly's disappearance reached her circle of friends, they were convinced Wymunk was responsible. The first thing that crosses my mind is, oh my God, that son of a bitch did it. 
he actually did it. We were focusing our efforts on John Wymunk, either to eliminate him or include him as being involved in Holly's disappearance. NCIS agents no longer had their sights on the self-proclaimed Zodiac copycat, or Lindsay, who was ultimately cleared, but it's what she revealed about Wymunk's behavior the day Holly vanished that now had investigators fearing the worst. Lindsay mentioned that he seemed very upset and angry early on Wednesday, July 9th. He said that he was going to take care of Holly, and Lindsay says that he had a gun with him. At this point, John Wymuck is a suspect, but we did not have anything specifically to link him to her disappearance. Hey, John. Jeff Locklear from Fayetteville. Wymuck wasn't talking. I choose not to answer any further questions until I have a lawyer present. Okay. I'm sorry for the waste of time. But NCIS kept him under constant surveillance while they tried to uncover hard evidence connecting Wymunk to Holly's disappearance. Was he the killer? And could he get away with it? NCIS agents began knocking on every door that we could aboard Camp Lejeune. And soon, a new name hit NCIS's radar. NCIS began talking to some of John's friends, associates, co-workers, uh, there at the Marine base. And one name that came up was uh, Kyle Alden. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have a crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie. into Holly's disappearance. Investigators were desperate for answers. And with the clock still ticking, NCIS returned to John Wymuck's base at Camp Lejeune, searching for clues. 
we started to perform just some very traditional police work and immediately began knocking on doors. That's when NCIS got a tip about a Marine who was looking to borrow a pickup truck. We eventually found a young man by the name of Kyle Alden. A few Marines heard about Kyle asking if he could borrow their pickup truck because he needed to help a friend move some things that would not fit in a car. And this we found interesting because it just so happened to occur on the 9th of July, which was the day prior to Holly going missing. Remember, witnesses reported seeing someone flee from Holly's apartment in a black pickup truck the night she vanished. I want to make sure that you understand this is clear. You're not being detained. On July 12th, Kyle Alden agreed to meet without a lawyer. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. All right. We brought Alden to our offices for an interrogation that the Fayetteville Homicide Detectives would conduct. One of my partners met with Alden and asked him about this truck, about his whereabouts on the 9th and 10th of July. And Alden essentially explained that he did in fact borrow a truck and that he was in fact contemplating helping a friend move. Investigators would learn that friend was John Wymunk. He asked if I, if I can come to Fayetteville and give him a hand. Okay. What did he tell him? Tell him, yeah, not a problem. The Marine Corps, not unlike the other armed services, there exists a very strong bond between Marines. Kyle was another active duty Marine. He was assigned to John's unit. They were close enough to where if the phone rang and somebody said, hey, I need help with something, the other guy is gonna come and try to help him. How does he sound at this point? He sounds kind of distraught. Something didn't add up. He's like, yeah, you can't say anything about this, but I need your help doing something. It's like, okay, good to go. Alden says Wymunk abruptly called off their plan. So he went home to pay some bills. I think he could sense that my partner knew that he was lying and later corrected his statement by saying, hey, I, I lied about that last part when I said I was gonna go pay the bill. I was actually meeting with my wife. We had sex. And so that's where I was. But what Alden didn't know is that investigators had already spoken with his wife. What would you say if I told you I talked to your wife and she said, what you just told me ain't the truth? Maybe she doesn't remember because she was out of it from, from the pain pills that day, sir. The time a man and his wife spends together, they normally remember that kind of stuff. All right. Yes, sir. So if your wife ain't lying to me and you ain't lying to me, what do we have? A big misunderstanding. But it was crystal clear that Alden was stonewalling the investigation. In talking to people that know him, his wife, and other things, you develop an idea of the person that you're dealing with. And what he was demonstrating to us during the initial hours of this investigation led me to believe that he was happy to lie to people. You know what I want you to say? I'm going to tell you what I want you to say. Okay. What I want you to say is the truth. Alden was never under arrest, but because he was a Marine, he was never allowed to leave NCIS's custody either. 
and remained on base. I want you to be honest with me now. For three days, investigators pressed Alden for answers. I want you to tell me what happened. I got to find Holly. For God's sakes, where's Holly at? I do not know. Okay. He would give investigators a little, but they didn't feel like he was giving them the whole truth. But Alden's cool demeanor suddenly changes when he's shown photos of Holly's children. I can't help but think about these two kids. Something bad happened to Holly. Something bad happened in that apartment. Okay, let's try to figure it out now. Realizing he'd been boxed into a corner, Alden admits to helping Wymuck remove items from Holly's apartment the night she vanished. But what happened to Holly? You know I know what happened, okay? Why ain't Holly calling me on the phone and telling me I'm coming to talk to you, Detective Lockwood? Why ain't she doing that? She's probably been. Where's Holly at? I have no idea. I don't want to think that he did it. I don't want to think that it was possible. Investigators felt close to getting a confession, but Alden wouldn't budge. We knew that there was more to what he was saying. He wasn't at a point where he wanted to tell us what really happened. But everything was about to change when NCIS got a call they never expected. We received a phone call, and that gentleman asked me if I was looking for a little blonde girl. I said, yes, I am. And he said, I think I've got her. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset. Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered. Every round reaction shows all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I received a phone call from a firefighter from the North Carolina Division of Forestry. And what I remember him asking me, hey man, you looking for a blonde girl? And I said, yes, I am. While detectives questioned Alden, NCIS got a tip about a suspicious fire nearly 20 miles from Alden and Wymuck's base at Camp Lejeune. He said that he was on a road in the Sneeds Ferry area. The Sneeds Ferry area is south of Camp Lejeune. It's a rural area. There's not a lot of people around, especially under cover of darkness, to see what's going on. It's a good place to get rid of something that you don't want anybody to find. Down this path, maybe about a half a mile, it opens up into a clearing. And in the center of that clearing, basically, there was a uh, shallow grave. 
There, beneath the smoldering ash, investigators uncovered human remains. Fayetteville detectives are still working on a definitive identification on the remains. It was just a blip on the news saying that what body was found and it just, it just hit me. I just knew it. That's Holly. They found her. An autopsy would confirm it was Holly. Crime scene video shot by deputies shows the shallow grave containing the remains of Holly Wymonk. Her dad actually called me and said, before you hear it on TV, you know, I want to I wanna tell you. And I didn't expect that. I still felt like she was going to call me. And when I actually saw it on the news, That Holly's scene and at the scenes of other victims that other agents and I have, have been at, you can't afford to become emotional about it uh, because if, if you if you if you are, you're you're not good to the team. At night, when we go home and be with our families uh, and and me with my wife, um, we would share what we could with with them and it. And, and that's when you get the, the human element. That's when you get the, the emotion behind it, when you watch the reaction in their faces, when you tell them what you had to do at work today. It was a pretty gruesome, difficult scene to collect evidence from. It was like something out of a horror movie. Holly's body had been dismembered and set on fire. Investigators sorted through the ash and debris uncovering critical clues into Holly's murder. There were some knives and a hatchet that were also found. And what was interesting and critical evidence about this is these knives fit a knife set that was missing from Holly's apartment. Those knives were a perfect match and provided a crucial link connecting the crime scene to Holly's apartment fire. You realize you're in trouble. You're in some trouble. Okay. They say, look, you're not telling us the truth. We just found her body. And at that point, he becomes mo much more forthcoming about what they did. Look at her. Now you tell me. Tell me the rest of it. Tell me the rest of it. After misleading investigators for three days, Alden begins to unravel. I went out there. You know exactly what I saw. I can't kind of imagine what you saw. Okay, tell me what you imagined that I saw out there. I imagined there was a... Alden ultimately told us everything that he had received a call from John. He didn't know why he was going to Fayetteville, but he agreed to do it because he and John were Marines in the same unit. Once he arrived, however, John told him that he had killed her and needed his help getting rid of Holly's body. What did he say? He's like, we were arguing. Say, I killed her. I didn't ask him how he killed her. I said, why? He's like, I didn't mean to. I don't know if he hit her, shot her, or whatever. Told me that she didn't die right away, so he had to hit her again. And I told him, I don't want to hear that. He's like, the look in her eye, he, he'd never seen anything like it, the look in her eye. Every word that I heard just made my stomach turn that much more. Alden told us that Holly's remains were ultimately placed in what we in the Marine Corps refer to as a sea bag. After loading Holly's body into the pickup truck, Alden says Wymunk set fire to the apartment.
to destroy the evidence. And then they made the three-hour drive back to Camp Lejeune and ultimately arrived in Sneed's Ferry. They then dig a shallow grave. They place Holly's remains inside that grave, and they attempt to burn Holly's remains. I said, there thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I getting myself into this? Why am I getting myself into this? Common sense may tell someone, once you hear that someone has killed their wife, why do you still carry on? And I think one thing is within the military structure, rank is very important. And John outranked Kyle. He had someone who outranked him asking for help with the situation. And uh, I think Kyle made the very poor decision to participate in this cover-up. The Marine in me was angry that that man had the title that me and other Marines have. Based on what he did and the decisions that he made, I absolutely do not call him a Marine. We're different now. The whole time we've been talking, you ain't called her name. I want to hear you say Holly. Her name was Holly Lynn James, and I'm not even gonna put his, his name, his last name ain't even worth being attached to hers. So her name was Holly Lynn James. After confessing to his role in Holly's disappearance, investigators took an unusual step, demanding an apology. Tell her you're sorry. I'm sorry. Tell her children you're sorry. Say, I'm sorry that you ain't got no mama no more. Sorry that you ain't got no mama no more. There's about as much feeling in what you just said as is in this cup right there, okay? That's about how much feeling you've got. You know, you're going with us because you want no rest. Yes, sir. Alden was charged with second-degree arson and conspiracy to commit murder in the death of Lieutenant Holly James Wymuck. Now, NCIS had one thing left to do. We knew at this point that John Wymuck had committed this murder. But would the confession of an admitted liar be enough to seal Wymuck's fate? Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Once we had Alden's statements, once we had what we believed were Holly's remains. Fayetteville Police Department, Homicide Squad, swore warrants for the arrest of John Wymuck. Only a year before, Holly had married John and told friends he was sweet and good to her children. Now, love had turned to hate, and Wymuck was about to be arrested for Holly's murder. We went to John's unit where we knew him to be. I expected that his head would be down, that he would look defeated, that he would be emotional. He was seated, his head was up. He didn't, to me, look like he really had a care in the world. I identified myself 
to John Wymunk as a special agent with the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. I told him to stand up, and I told him that he was under military apprehension for the murder of Holly Lynn Wymunk. He complied immediately. He looked at my partner, he looked at me. The Marines present were watching. He said nothing to any of us. He had a facial expression that told me he knew exactly what was happening and that he was content. Holly was one of three female soldiers murdered in that terrible summer of 2008 in Fayetteville, North Carolina. There was no serial killer. Authorities believe Sergeant Megan Tuma's killer, a fellow soldier with whom she was having an affair, wrote those so-called Zodiac letters. Monday, July 14th, John Wymuck was charged with first-degree murder and the death of Holly Wymuck. She had actually died from a gunshot wound to the head. He was also charged with second-degree arson and conspiracy to commit second-degree arson. The criminal case was just beginning, as was the emotional fallout. Holly's commanding officer selected Holly's friend, Lieutenant April Wirtz, for what the military considers a special honor. I had the chance to accompany the remains back home from the, the funeral home in Fayetteville to the airport in Detroit, and we drove back down to Dubuque, Iowa. It was there, in Holly's hometown, that April first met Holly's father, Jesse James. Holly's dad welcomed me like a member of the family, like I'd been her best friend since childhood, and I'll never forget it. It was a really nice experience and a very dark, dark time. Jesse was especially close to his daughter and spoke to her in the days before her murder, as he recalled in this interview for the university where he was the dean of admissions. Holly said, Dad, it's going to be a nasty divorce. I'm not sure what nasty divorce conjured up in my mind. I suppose that I thought they would fight. But the thought that he would murder Holly is a thought that never occurred to me. District Attorney Billy West says the state, armed with Kyle Alden's detailed confession and his agreement to testify, sought the death penalty for John Wymuck. It took two years for the case to get to court. John Wymuck reached a plea agreement with the state where he would plead guilty to first-degree murder as well as arson, conspiracy to commit arson, and that he would serve life without the possibility of parole. John Wymuck accepted his fate but never apologized or provided any insight into why he murdered Holly when he appeared at his sentencing. North Carolina, we do not have allocution where the accused or the defendant actually explains what they did on the day of the crime. Kyle Alden pled guilty to his responsibility in the case, and that was that he was an accessory after the fact to first-degree murder, and he also was guilty of a second-degree arson and conspiracy to commit second-degree arson. Kyle Alden served three years of a potential five-year sentence. Today, he's free. Both men were dishonorably discharged. I'm so angry. He took my friend. He took a daughter. He took a mother, most of all. So two kids grow up without their mother. You know, that that's hard. The only time I actually met her children were during the funeral, and they were three and six. I remember thinking that little girl is the spitting image of her mother. That is a little Holly right there. Her little boy, they handed him a folded up flag, and the look on his face is 
a look that will always be with me. That look of pain. Some people search a lifetime to find a friend like Holly, and I had that. I had a friend like that. Sometimes I'll hear somebody's voice, and it'll remind me of her voice or a laugh, and it'll just take me back to our graduation day, how the sun hit her hair and how she was smiling that day. What's it like to lose a child? Everyone in your family goes through grief in their own certain way. I know that in the years after Holly's death, he actually went around speaking and bringing awareness to domestic violence, specifically domestic violence in the military. I think what adds to the grief of a dad, of a man, is that he's supposed to protect his mother. I don't want to speak for Mr. James. I will say that myself and the other folks that agreed to, to do this interview did so because he wanted his daughter's story told in the most accurate and truthful way possible. Like 48 Hours, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.